0: Buenos Dias! (laughs) What's happening? What's happening? Thank you guys for joining Frank 1987, Delco Face, Barber TV, La Barberia College. Thank you guys for joining JC Style Salon Academy. As always, don't forget to share the live with folks and let them know that we are going live. We're here live at Premier Barber Institute. I got a few things I want to share today. I see Exodus Hair, What's happening? E Barber eight two eight. What's up, E? Uh, Matthew, David, the Barber, Julian's Barber Shop, Kova, uh, uh, Louis Cutting. We got some new faces. We got some old faces. LL uh, Coupey. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Three oh seven cuts and some others. Brought the first badge. Thank you, Barber View TV, for the first badge. Uh, One Raven X, Rosario Avitante. I don't know, help me out with that one. Uh, Beautiful Loser joined, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you, Ellen, uh, NLK Jonathan, thank you for joining. I appreciate you. Don't forget to let folks know where you are joining from. A few announcements is this weekend is the LV Barber Expo. Um, So if you haven't ever done any expos, expos are great to go to. Uh, I would do a little bit of research and what the education that you're looking for when it comes to these shows and events because there are so many different shows that you could go to and you wanna make sure that when you're picking a location or you're picking a show, you wanna pick something that you know is gonna be beneficial to you. If you're going to a class or paying for a class, you wanna make sure that you're Picking something is definitely gonna benefit you. Each one of us have something different that we're looking to learn. And as you're elevating through your career, there are different things that you're gonna need at different times. Uh, for example, if you're a beginning barber, like today we have a bunch of new starts at the school. When you're a new barber, the focus is how do I even get involved? What's the next step, right? What is that, that apprehension for classroom? Like, what, what is the expectation for today? They're gonna give me a mannequin. Am I gonna even know what to do with some of this stuff, right? There's that beginning level, but after a few months, Then it's like, oh, I want to do this. And as you continue to elevate through the program, you grow in the program and then you begin to look for different things. So you're watching YouTube because maybe you want to straighten out your lines or you're watching YouTube because you want to figure out how to to do a, a mean blurry fade, right? Or you're watching these different things because as you're elevating and going through, you're picking and targeting different things that at the time, Um, you need a, a little bit more experience in or You want more insight. So it's important that when you're choosing or selecting shows and you're spending your money to go to shows and events, it's important that you're picking the things that you know are going to benefit you completely. There are so many different shows that are going on. There are so many different classes. I know personally for me, I don't go to the shows to watch people do fades. It's not what I need, right? It's not what I need in my life. There was a period where I went to shows and I watched fades and I watched people do lineups and I watched shear classes and I watched color classes. And as I continued to elevate in my career, I stopped watching and going for certain reasons. Then I got into the business classes and I got into the tech side of things. So there were so many different classes that I was going to. You can have a seat. There's plenty of seats over Uh, There are so many different things, so many different classes that are going on. Make sure that when you go to these classes and the events, you're picking classes that are going to be beneficial to you. I would recommend that anybody who is, whether new barber, novice barber, seasoned barber, uh, barber owner, shop owner, whatever, go to the classes that you're not familiar with, areas that you aren't really good at. Those are the things that's going to help to elevate you and take you to the next level. Um, I would recommend that you, anybody at any level, take the business classes. Take the finance classes. Take those classes because you might be a beginning barber today. And then tomorrow, and when I say tomorrow, I mean few months, whatever. When, you, when you're when you at these classes, always take the business classes. It's, it's sad that many of the shows, when they have a business class, a lot of the Barbers don't take the business classes. When they're the most important classes to go to. Those are the classes that are going to take you to the next level. And so we have Jay Majors here. I'm going to join him on this live. Let me see. Uh, uh, press, the, press join, Jay, so I, can, so I can jump you on here. You can talk a little bit about the show. And we can have some, some dialogue real quick. But I, I promise you that many if you go to the classes, classes will be packed. All the education classes will be packed. But when it comes to the business classes, people show up late. People don't show up at all. And then they wanna know why they're not elevating in their business. You know, I remember when I first went to the LV Barber Expo, it's where I met Ricky Racone. We sat outside the show, after the show, and ever since then we continue to have a relationship. He's been joining my lives for the past seven years. Consistently. And it was at the LV Barber Expo that we established that relationship face to face. And I will tell you that I've thrown personal classes here at Premier Barber Institute and even in Philadelphia. And Ricky Racon probably came to about three of those classes. And if you talk to him, he has elevated his career. So I see Jay's on here. Let's join Jay. This is his weekend. So Jay, where you at? Let's get you on here real quick.
1: All right. What's up, Jay? What's going on, brother? So talk to me. Where are you at right now, brother? I'm at my uh, barber academy getting a cut. Getting, getting oh, a you little... getting ready for the weekend? Yeah, I guess. Well, actually, I'll get one more right before the weekend. <laughs> you know how that goes. So uh, explain what's happening this weekend real quick. You know, uh, we're back in Vegas. You know, COVID shut us down for a couple years because uh, Las Vegas was really tough to do business with. Um, like readjusting for covid especially Mm -hmm. trade shows so me and jackie are back on thank god it's been there's been a great response uh you know a lot of tickets been coming through the past couple days and we're just trying to give the best quality you know tyreek like i try my hardest to have the best production and the best quality on all my shows you know
0: yeah in all all reality jay you have the best show hands down that i've been to all over i've been to russia i've been to europe i've been to uh your show in Connecticut, you definitely have the best shows. You have quality education, for sure. Um, I, I, would, I, was, I was mentioning right before you jumped on the live that a lot of people don't take the business classes, they don't take the business classes seriously. And I think that that is probably the most important part of regardless of what level of barber you are, taking the business classes and learning
1: business acumen is extremely important. You wanna emphasize on why that's important for you and how it's helped you? You know, you and I have been advocates for that from the, the get-go. And, and, you know, thank you for giving me my flowers. But for what you do with your students is, is out of this world. Like, you know, I, I've noticed it when they attend my show. And, uh, you know, it's really important. I, I think so barbers are so worried about that crispy fade or how to do a crop top or, or, you know, with all due respect to Josh OP and him coming down doing these Euro cuts. But without managing your money properly, we've noticed during the pandemic, you and I would talk all the time that guy with that, you know, 40, 50,000 followers that was popping had a GoFundMe to keep his barbershop open. Right, right. You know, they, they weren't running their, their businesses. You cannot run a barbershop out of pocket. You have to know your ins, your outs, your monthly expenses, your good months, your bad months. You got to know what your barbers are making, even if they're on rent, because you want to keep everybody happy, right. you know? So I think it, it's, um, I, especially for the barbers just coming into the industry, they really need to learn the business aspect of it. And the more that we do that as barbers, the more respected we're going to be. Because when you and I became barbers, it wasn't cool. Right. Right. It was, it was like, was okay. not, it was not. It wasn't yeah. cool to be a like, barber. In you're a hood you barber, get, you know. It's interesting. You would get in
0: circles and people would say like, "What you do?" And I was always proud to be a barber. But when you would say, "Oh, I'm a barber," you would be looked down at, like, yeah. I'm a barber." Where now it's like, "Oh, you are a barber?" It, it, it has shifted right? And I think that people understand that it is a profession. So, you know, as a professional going into your your shows, I highly recommend regardless of what level of skill you may be at or how long you've been a barber to take those business classes, those finance classes seriously. What classes are you offering this weekend at the show?
1: Well, believe it or not, like a lot of people, um, we're going to be talking about digital banking a little bit, which is kind of cool as far as business goes. Squire is going to be doing an educational panel. That panel Is going to just be talking to different shop owners. Jackie, my partner, being one of them, Um, not even just about Squire in itself, but just about how we should be running our business, how we should be conducting our business, how we should be handling no call, no shows, Um, rent versus commission. Um, You know, if you're opening your barbershop, what's best for you? What's going on in your area? And uh, you know, what are people charging in certain demographics and whatnot? Uh, You know, there's been a lot of controversy online about pricing. Yeah. Right. You know, and what your stance on that? Why I have you here? So I'm actually, I'm actually going to talk
0: a little bit about that today, but, um, I I will tell you this, um, I I say it all the time. It doesn't matter what your pricing is. If it fits your economy, it's your economy. Everybody's economy is a little bit different, right? There's no, I don't think that there's a right or wrong, whether it's booth or commission, you can make money both ways. I don't think it's right or wrong. Um, whether you have high prices or low prices, what is it that you want to do? Some barbers like being behind a chair all day long. Some barbers don't like to cut two and three people. They want to be busy cutting, and it, it depends on the individual, right? I think you can make a lot of money, and I talked about it for the last few weeks uh, prior, uh, leading up to this. Old men, they get the clipper over, comb, and got the two strands of hair coming across. They take five to 10 minutes, right? And you just you shoot the shaving cream with them for like three more minutes. You got a 10-minute haircut, and they're going to pay $25. You do 10 people at 24. 24- you still made some really good money within the, the you know two three hours. Mm-hmm. You know it doesn't take that long to make money. So you know yeah you could do hundred point hair hundred dollar haircuts and you could do twenty five dollar haircuts. It doesn't matter to me. I think that as an owner, um, I think commission based at twenty five dollars is a little challenging, yeah. right? Because you're splitting that twenty five dollars in in half, right? And you need a volume. And if you're not at a shop that has volume it doesn't help you if you're not a fast barber that doesn't help yeah. you so i think there's so many there's there's more than one way to make money right um if anybody knows that you know Jay majors knows that Jay majors knows how to get the check right whether you was a barber and you've elevated your career so you have the largest probably most respected show in the entire world of barbering so you know kudos to you for that but that took a lot of hard work a lot of people don't know that you know your backstory some people don't know your backstory yeah. they don't know that your first show was at a bar you yeah. know what
1: exactly have, and curtis smith like they don't they don't know that yeah my first three shows i funded out of pocket you know what i mean and did with barely no sponsorship whatsoever you know mm-hmm. so yeah, so um, you got any, any final uh,
0: words real quick before I uh, jump off? And no. thank you for joining
1: the live. Uh, um, no, I mean, listen, this weekend, uh, September 16th and 17th, the pre party Saturday night, Sunday's the show. Uh, come on out if you haven't already. Grab a ticket if you're on the West Coast. Uh, hey, listen, for everyone on this live, I got like three or four vendor booths I'm trying to get rid of. I don't want to take them off the floor plan. So if you're a last minute person, you got some t shirts, you got a product, you just want to showcase haircuts, DM me and I'll give you a good deal on a booth. If you have a show like the Jersey Shore Barber Expo that's promoting in here, Evie, uh, you could come get a booth and talk about it. Uh, I wish you could be there, Tyreek, but you're going to be teaching a class. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Hopefully we, we always got next year. We got to talk about Connecticut.
0: Absolutely, man. And I appreciate you. Thank you, Jay. Congratulations to more Thank success you. for you and your shows. Excited about what you have going on this weekend. Have an amazing, amazing Thank week, you. brother. Thank you, my brother. Take care. Absolutely. Absolutely. So guys, that was Jay Majors. Listen, there's a lot of different classes going on, and I I I can't emphasize enough that the business portion of classes are probably the most important part of your education as a barber. It really, really is. It's one of the reasons that we talk. You heard Jay Majors say that he sees what we do with our school, and kudos to us for what we do. I can't do this alone. I have a team of people, Edamar, Chris, Steph, Dan, uh who's in administration, you know, uh, Uh, Coley, who's a new instructor here, Uh, Mr. D, we have an abundance of education and years and years and years of knowledge and expertise in our industry, not just haircutting. And the people who are most successful are the people who stay active, the people who stick to it, the people who see it through, the people who work through uh, the challenges. And so there's a few things I wanted to share before I get into some of that. Thanks, Jay, for, for, for joining. If you're going to Las Vegas, enjoy yourself. Listen, the one thing about Las Vegas I think is great is that outside of the show, there's so many other things to do. It's why some people choose LV Expo because they'll go out there for the two days of the show, stay an extra day, and do something fun and active, right? They'll go to a show. I know when I go out there, I went uh, uh, four-wheeling with EFX Ash. We went four-wheeling, we went to the Hoover Dam. Uh, I got to play some golf while I was out there. So there's a lot of different things that you can do while in Vegas outside of the show. Go get your education. If you want to get some products, then do that fine. But it's the relationships that you build. And a lot of times, some of you are at a show and you think that the information you need is from the person who's on the stage, when in fact, there are some knowledgeable people that are sitting right beside you. There are people that have the game that you need sitting right beside you. I call that the uh, Lois Lane effect. Some of you are working in shops and you are working in environments that you're looking for Superman. You're searching for Superman. Lois Lane was always, always searching for Superman. She wanted Superman. She would put herself in a position to look for Superman to come find her. She'd fall out of a a building. She'd fall off of a cliff. She'd do anything to get Superman's attention. When in fact, Superman was with her all the time. Clark Kent was Superman, but she didn't see him as Superman. She saw him as Clark Kent. Some of you have shop owners that is the Superman that is in your life. You have these mentors and these people that are around you that you have been so focused looking for attention on social media, looking for someone to accept you on social media. So you will go out of your way. You'll jump off a cliff to get that attention when in fact you have Superman standing in front of you because you're looking for what you think Superman is, not realizing that he is Clark Kent who's standing right beside you. That is the lowest lane syndrome. A lot of people don't realize that there is somebody right next to you that if you would just speak up, if you would just serve, if you would reach out your hand and try and assist and help and get to know the person next to you, you might get what you need with the person sitting beside you, that person that's in the room with you. So don't don't, don't get uh, too perplexed about social media. Don't get to a place where your whole focus is getting the attention of that influencer that doesn't respond to your DMs, that doesn't like your content or your photos, that doesn't reach back out to you, when in fact you have a Superman somewhere in your life. So um, I'm telling you, there's, there's so much good information with the people Dinner right beside you. Today's a special day for a few different reasons. I got a bunch of stuff that I want to share, but today is my friend's birthday, Sean Anthony. Today is his birthday. I'm gonna put a video Happy up birthday. just to do that. So yeah, go ahead and give my man Sean Anthony a follow. But I want you to take a look at this commercial that he created as I continue to go into this now. So pay attention. Listen, uh, we are back. I'm not sure exactly what what happened there, but we got stuck. Happy birthday to Sean Anthony, uh, my good friend. Uh, I'm excited to just share uh, so many different things that is just the relationship that has been established as, uh, it's on now, throw it away and then come back on. Yeah, so, so we're back, thank you. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, it got stuck and I couldn't take it off, it would have just kept playing endlessly. So we're back on, happy birthday to Sean Anthony. Um, a little bit about him is he was a student in barber school. And when he came to barber school, he didn't have any prior cutting experience. He did the college thing. He also worked at a foundry and the foundry closed down. And when the foundry closed down, this was a man who had a wife and a family. He uh, bought a house and you know, his life was in a position where the things that were important were happening. And all of a sudden the job shut down. And he had to make a decision. His decision was, I'm going to go to barber school to restart something, something that I always had an idea of doing. And now, I guess, is the time to do it. And when he did, he fell in love with it. And at first he thought that he was just going to cut hair and talk, shoot the shaving cream at the barber shop, and just, you know, talk and laugh and watch music and videos and cut hair because that was his experience and through a little bit of mentorship, a little bit of uh, connecting. I remember right before his graduation, we went to Atlanta to the Bronner Brothers show. We went to a show. And when we went to show, he his eyes were opened to so much more. He was, in fact, he was very frustrated. And part of his frustration was, I'm a little older, I'm starting late, and I see all these people younger than me doing so much more, and here I am just starting and I feel like I'm behind. But it only took stick-to-itiveness to get him through. So he started, he came back, he grabbed The day that we came back from Atlanta uh, at the Bronner Brothers show was the day that he graduated. It was also, um, and I had promised him that I would be at his graduation. So. He was there, he graduated. We had a graduation party for him. It was an amazing time, but as a result, I've seen so many different things happening for him. He worked in a shop with about 10 chairs. He ended up building his own um, experience within that shop. He then went to a suite with four walls, no windows. And it was a very small suite and it was in the cut And after that suite, he ended up opening a barbershop and he had this grandiose idea of what a barbershop should look like and feel like for him. And for him, it was gonna cost way too much money. And I said, brother, you just have to get started. You already have the clientele, you already have the experience, you've been cutting for two years at this point. If you're ready to open up your own space, and his statement to me was, if I can make it in this suite with four walls and no windows, I know I can make it on a main street. And he took a tough spot in um, Delaware, right on Tattnall, um, looking at a parking lot. And as he took that location, they began to gentrify that location and his business began to bloom and grow. He has an amazing team. It's called Live Frequency Awesome by Sean Anthony. So if you guys can tag uh, PA Grooming Specialists, if you can go ahead and tag at Sean Anthony and wish him a happy birthday. Um, all of that has happened, one, through mentorship. Um, I-, I have this statement, you are not self-made. You aren't self-made. No one is self-made. Now, it does take self-discipline. It does take self-determination, right? You have to have stick to it, stick to itiveness. but it is extremely important to have coaches and mentors to speak into you. There has been a lot of conversation. You heard Jay Majors talking about the, the, the controversial conversation of price increasing, right? And, and and these different programs that different people are offering. Thank you so much, Matthew David. My guy. I appreciate that. Let's pin that comment real quick. Bow, bow, bow. So there are all of these different ways that you can make money. And whether you like one person's system or another person's system, you want to check and see if those systems are proven. That's really important. Do these systems work? They work for some people and not for others, right? you can easily talk about all the successes that your program has. I can get up here and tell you that we have a 100% success rate for every person who takes the state board exam. That is a fact. That's not made up. That's not me boosting anything. It is a fact that every person that graduates from our program that takes both parts of that exam passes that exam. We have a 100% success rate. Now, I can also tell you that there are people who haven't taken the exam. That is a fact. It has nothing to do with the program at all. It has everything to do with the person's personal discipline, focus, and stick-to-itiveness or lack thereof. Sean Anthony's success is an example of someone who stuck with it through adversity. While he was in school, he wasn't working, he almost lost his house. And he continued to to, to follow through with the vision. Yes, for him, him and I, I was coaching and mentoring him for a little while, but he already had his own mindset on the things that he wanted to do. And he reached out to other people, he had other mentors. No one is self-made. You need people to speak into your life, to help guide you, to hold you accountable to the things that you say that you're going to do. But Tyree can't help you do it. Tyree can't make you do it. You have to be willing to put in the work. No one is self-made. I mean, I can go on and on. So there are different programs. And Marv has had some conversation about different programs that are out there. And some people like some, and some people don't like others. And it's good to pat each other on the back and talk about the successes that each program has. It's okay to say, hey, you know, and I think what happens in a lot of these conversations is they're talking so much about all the good stuff that some of the people have done, but they're not talking about some of the failures. Talking about the failures are important. Why is that so important? Because you can make a better decision based on their failure rate. Do I wanna join your program if you have a high percentage of failure rate? Do I wanna join your program if you have a high success? It's cool to to say, hey, I I got a 50% success rate. But if you only did two people, It's still a fact that you got 50%. One person did great, the other person failed. But if you had 10 people, and nine people were successful, I got a 90% success rate, or vice versa. I got a 10% success rate, 90% of them have failed. It's important to ask those questions. Also, some of the people that are, are, are having these conversations I know when I spoke to my accountant, it was important for me to ask him questions. For example, anyone who has ever paid taxes and is is self-employed or you own your own business, you don't want to get audited by the IRS, right? So if you're talking to an accountant, has any of your clients been audited? I think that's a valid question. How many years have you been in business? How much money are you managing in your business? These are valid questions. Nobody likes to ask the tough questions. They ask all the great questions because they want to fluff and pat each other on the back. What do your Google reviews look like? How have you managed your other businesses? What does that look like? Nobody wants to discuss those types of things, but it's important to discuss those things. Because why would I invest in one area of your business when you failed miserably at other areas of your business and you don't focus on your Google reviews or your customer uh, reviews? You don't focus on those things because they're not important to you. And there are people in the industry that are creating things and making things happen, but they don't have longevity in that area. They have a new thing. This is a new thing I'm doing. This is a, a new, What about the longevity? How long have you been doing X? That's important. These are important questions. It's great to say, wow, I'll give you another example. You take a social media class and someone says, I can get you to do 200,000 impressions on social media because they did it themselves one time. I can tell you right now that I have a TikTok video that did, it's a half a mil reel. It's like one point, I think it's like I think it's a million or one uh, a half a million, something like that. And I can say, yeah, I can show you what I did to do this half a mil reel. But it's only one reel out of a thousand videos that I posted. That doesn't mean that every one is going to hit. They only highlight the positives, okay? And it takes time before you get there. And even if you hit, it doesn't mean that every single time is going to hit, right? It doesn't mean that. There's a girl I just saw on social media. She she has a. Um, in 2020, she had zero dollars to her name. In 2022, she was worth nine million. TikTok girl. Made a video. Just doing some dumb stuff. It's like some video that just went viral. She's now not worth nine. Do you know which video? You started laughing. You don't know which video I'm talking about? You was laughing too. You know which video? Or is it the. But well, that's what she was doing. That's what she. I probably posted it in my stories just so you can see it. Listen, this video she put up was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. She's worth nine million. You know why? Because she's authentic in herself, putting her own content out. Here's the problem that happens with a lot of. There's a. I don't know if y'all seen. There's this amazing uh, uh, clip of Drake's music. The samples, the best samples he used for his albums. Fantastic hits hit after hit after hit, and every one of those hits he had sampled somebody who did some great thing at some point. And when I look at uh, social media a lot of times, and when I look at YouTube, I think that a lot of people, they're just sampling other people's hits. They're looking at something that somebody did very successful and they're just repeating it and regurgitating it, but not authentically creating their own. And so it's like a sample. I'm gonna take what so-and-so said, and I'm gonna put my own little twist on and put some fancy lights in the back, and I'm gonna do my own little thing, right? And I'm gonna get you like, hey guys, drop a subscribe and you do this all this dumb stuff, right? But you're just sampling somebody else's content. You're taking somebody else's hit and trying to make it your own. If you look over even reels, look at people's reels. They're using the same sound of somebody else and borrowing that sound. Let's say it was Les Brown, motivational speaker, and they're using it and they're promoting themselves by using that sound. Now we've done it at the school where we take somebody else's sound. And right now, there's one. Is uh, it was a Todd. He's a pastor. Todd. He's speaking. He says, "Your greatest self is not your best self. It's..." The, the discipline of yourself. And I think it's a great video because when you come to school, you gotta be disciplined. I think using that was fantastic. But I'm not up here doing the lip sync of your greatest self is that, and using his voice. I'm not using his voiceover to make that hit. I'm just speaking my truth. So when you're looking at these influencers and you're trying to find somebody or something that uh, you think is gonna help you in your business, whether you go to a show or you're looking at YouTube or Instagram, you wanna make sure, you want to make sure that the people that you are following have the longevity or the seasoned proof. They say the proof is in the pudding. What does their pudding taste like? Do they actually have the years of experience? Did they actually accomplish the things that they say that they can help you accomplish? Everybody's level, what you eat, each one of you want is gonna be something completely different. So, I wanted to, I mean, I kind of went down a little rabbit hole, and I hope that helps you, but I wanted to share a few things. Last week, I talked about therapy, right, and the importance of therapy, and why therapy is important. There's different forms of therapy, and by definition, the word therapy itself is, therapy is the act of caring for someone, or the method of caring. And I was just in Dallas, Texas, and what we were doing in Dallas, Texas, was doing diabetes, uh, testing. We tested over 50 people um, for diabetes at uh to Surgeon's barbershop called The Art of Barbering, where UT Southwestern was there to help us and assist with the testing. Um, Dr. Esparza was there as the medical practitioner, and I was there talking to the barbers as the barber uh, of influence to come to that shop. And it was it an amazing time that we had, but we were helping that community, helping the barbers. Barbers took exams, uh, FM 104 was there. They were there as a part of it. And it was an amazing time to be there to care for people and help people as a form of therapy. We all have our different forms of therapy. There are many different ways um, to uh, do some therapy. But this week when I talk about being self-made, there's a lot of conversation about it. I wanna share some other things on this topic. Um, It's not gonna happen overnight. Here's an example of something. This is a picture of Tyreek when I was in uh, cosmetology school. Now you can't see my face, but I'm the guy right underneath the image of me right there. And that's my mannequin. I got the little uh, asymmetrical haircut with the bump curls. Haircut was poppin'. I got an honorable mention. I didn't win. I got an honorable mention in this image here. The other thing that happened was I stuck to it. That was in 1995, 96 while I was in school. I continued to work on my craft. I continued to get better. I spoke what I was going to do, where I was going to do, with the things that I was going to accomplish. And I chased those things vehemently. And in doing so, over time, I became better. I won $25,000 at the Bronner Brothers show, three haircuts, 15 minutes. In fact, I remember doing a live here on stage where I did three haircuts. And in those three haircuts, one was a three-color job that was done on stage, two designs on two different heads, and I did a crop cut with shears, all within 55 minutes on my live show. This happened live here at Premiere. And while I was doing it, I was explaining what I was doing, I was a little out of breath because I was moving fast. But I did three haircuts on stage, three colors, three designs, and a sheer cut and blow-drying style all within 55 minutes. I would have never been able to do that in 1996. But now, this is a wave cut that I did. Um, and now, this is a fade in design with a curly crop top that I did and it doesn't take me as long to do these cuts. This kid right here is a kid that I've been cutting for quite some time when he was in little league football. He became a client of mine. In fact, he was so encouraged to go to school. When he graduated, he got injured as a football player. When he graduated from high school, he went to barber school. Now he wanted to come to Premier, but it was too far away and he couldn't drive. So he went to another barber school. He ended up completing that barber program. When he completed that barber program, he moved to Las Vegas, where he is working currently for um, Iced Out Barber, Jackie, who is doing the show with Jay Major. He is currently a manager at one of her locations. It took him time to get there, but he was a kid who was getting a haircut that through watching by example decided, I want to become a barber, went to barber school, did what he needed to do, worked hard, worked at a shop in York, PA, moved to Las Vegas. This kid had a plan. He is now in Las Vegas, been there for uh, almost two years now, and he is currently a manager at one of Jackie's shops. It takes time, it's not gonna happen overnight. Here's another example of what that looks like. Here is a young lady, she has her three badges that she has worked at this job for 10 years. She, if you look at the first badge, it says custodial, custodian. She worked as a custodian at this uh, medical practice. If you look at the next one, it says that she's a registered nurse. And now if you look at the last one, she is a nurse practitioner in the trauma surgery unit. It didn't happen overnight. It took 10 years for her to get to this level. And so what happens is many people, they come to school and they're thinking that by the time they graduate, they're gonna be this YouTube sensation, they're gonna be this Instagram influencer, they're gonna be the coldest barber around, and it doesn't always happen that way. These are examples I use myself, I use one of my clients, and I I showed an example of somebody in the nursing field that it took time to get there. I talked about Sean Anthony and his challenges and the choices that he made. Many people, when you're about to lose your house, you forget, man, I got to do what I got to do. And you'll quit school, and you'll go find a job to maintain the house. And I get it, but he made other sacrifices. He stuck to it. He's extremely excited about his decision. He has a, a thriving business, not only was I coaching him early in his career and mentoring him early in his career. He is now mentoring and coaching young people. He's using barbering as a tool, but he's teaching, I think it's a seven week business course. Business, he's teaching that. He goes to different um, uh, cosmetology and barber schools and teaches what he has learned over the last few years. He has been elevating in the last few years. So it takes a while. There was a question that came from La Barbaria College and it was really, how do you read people? When, so I want to do the La Barbaria question of the day. How do you read people when they don't want to have a conversation? Meaning, I'm cutting hair, somebody comes in. How do you know how to navigate the conversation in that moment? Well, it does. It's, it's called the art of communication. It is an art form, right? But you have to be completely self-aware. You have to have a high emotional intelligence that's something that grows over time if you're tuned into it and you understand it. It's not something that you just have. Some people have it, it has been developed. But if you don't have it, you need to do some self-evaluation, find out who you are, and then in that, you need to be, it's situational awareness. So there's a few things. What's happening in the room? Situational awareness. Are you paying attention to what's going on in the room? right? Are you reading body language? Are you looking at the way people are moving and operating? As an instructor for many years, I can look in the room and I can tell who not to pick on that day. You can tell by their body language, your facial expressions, their demeanor, today's not the day for them. Some people they know they have a good way of hiding it. Right. They have a good way of masking it. But if you're in tune to your classroom, if you're in tune to your staff, if you're in tune to the clients that come to your business, you can pay it. You might be a bubbly, an exciting, and energetic person all the time. And you might rub people the wrong way because that's not the energy that they need all the time. Right. You might be that person. And then someone walks in the shop and they're just today's not the day for them. You can bring them to this, but you got to start off with how you doing today. Not, hey Johnny, what's going on? Johnny's not in the mood for that today. You have to be completely aware body language, energy, looking at people's mannerisms, facial expressions. There are so many little things. And when you learn your clients, when you learn who they are and you're paying attention, you have a connection with them, you learn how to have the art of communication with them. Eye contact, extremely important. There are people that I know, even in the school, when I walk past, they avoid eye contact with me. I know they do. I see it. And I know some people that they can't, you, 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 you get on my nerves. Yeah, you, you can't see, she always looking right at me. <laughs> she walked right on up to you. How you doing, Tyree? You know, but she has a different type of energy, and some days, for some people, it's not the same thing. You know, there is an art to communicating, right? You have to navigate through personalities and emotions and energies, and and especially if it's your space. If you're an owner, you're a shop owner, you're a barber that works in a space. I need my charger in my bag that's on the desk over there. Could you grab it for me, please? Thank you. Um, And what's important is you have to be able to feel the room, look at people, and know how to navigate that conversation. It is an art. It is an art, it's not easy. And that comes with time. If you're in a space, like a shop, where there's lots of people coming in, you will see the different personalities all day long. All day, you will see te- You will feel tension, you will feel joy, you'll feel excitement, you'll feel people that are just kind of very nonchalant. Yeah, perfect, does that little box? Perfect, thank you. Um, yeah, we gotta unplug this guy right here, whatever this one is, because this thing's about to die. I got a few more minutes, I don't want it to die on me. Can you unplug this guy right here for me, please? Thank you. I'm so sorry, y'all. It just happened. Uh, let me plug this in AaronUtabomb.com. So, I wanted to, to share something uh, about that. There are different people that have the ability to converse with you and they know how to read the room. They know how to read the person sitting in the chair. I had an experience with a guy, thank you so much. I had experience with a guy who worked at the shop and he wanted to have conversations about political views, right, and have his perspective. And he really didn't care. He didn't even have a position, to be quite honest with you. He was just trying to create conversation. And hello, how's your day, just simple stuff. And the guy was like, fine. And then he said, man, did you watch the news? And the guy immediately said, listen, bro, I just came for a haircut. I don't even wanna talk about none of that stuff going on on the news. And it was really, in that moment, the barber hit him like, oops. But now he shut down for the rest of the haircut. He didn't know how, he he didn't have situational awareness. It wasn't somebody he established a relationship with. In Spanish, we say confianza, un confianzu. He wasn't comfortable with that person. He didn't have that established relationship to engage in that type of conversation. This was a new customer walking in and he didn't know how to navigate the conversation. He thought that that would be a great topic to discuss. I looked at him like, boy, if you don't go sit down somewhere. Like, man, that guy never came back. I don't ever recall that client coming back to the shop. I don't think it had anything to do with the haircut. I think it had everything to do with the conversation. It became an awkward moment. And so it's important to make sure that you're paying attention. There was another video that went out, and I love this guy, uh, the barber guru, who puts out amazing content. He's been able to scale his business. He's not a barber, but he's a barber shop owner, and he puts up this video, and I wanna play this video for you, and I wanna give you a little bit of insight from my perspective on uh, this uh, video in particular. Uh, If you guys wanna tag the barber guru, hopefully he can jump on, and we can have a little conversation. Hey, barber, stop cutting hair at 6.30. Put away your clippers. That's what Newark, New Jersey wants to do when they pass this law that says barbershops cannot be open past 6.30 p.m. Do I agree with it? Hell no. I think 6.30 is too early, and I also think that a city shouldn't really tell a business what to do and how long they have to operate their business for, as long as their business is doing everything legally. But do I think that barbers are scared about this because they make most of their money outside of business hours? Absolutely, and that's why I said, it's important to be busy enough to make your money during normal business hours and not at Friday at 11 o'clock at night. Hey, barbers, stop cutting hair at 6.30, put away your clippers. So, a little bit about this video. Now, I didn't search Newark, but this is a statement that went out of It's obviously in the news, he put the news article up and I don't know the specifics around why this rule has come into play in Newark. But I would tell you that when you're trying to open up a business, many people have the, have the game messed up. They're really confused about how this works. Some people believe that because you buy a building and you own the building, you could do whatever you want. It's my building. Guess what? It doesn't work that way, okay? There's different codes that are involved. There are different municipalities that are focused on what's happening in that area, and you have to abide by the rules of that area, right? Uh, he said a few things that I think is important. He said, as long as you're doing what you can legally. So where I live, I can only speak to Lancaster County, There are, and, and I'm sure it's like this in a lot of places. Where I live, there is a residential district, there's a business district, and then there's an r R2 district. R2 is residential and business. My location that I've had for 20 years is in a R2 district, meaning there are residents that live there and we have a storefront on the corner that has business in the residential area. It's on the main street, it's not off on the side in the cut, it's not in a strip mall. That area of business is dedicated to residential and business. So when I went to open up my location, it was important that when I set up my business hours and I presented my business plan, I had to go to the municipal building and in there was the code enforcement officers and there's different ones. There are ones that do building code, there's electrician, there's plumbing, right? And those three have to get passed in order for you to get an occupancy permit. A lot of those things when you're applying for your barbershop, I'm ready to open my shop, I found a location, I signed a lease, I'm ready to go. And you may have an idea to open up a shop that's six chairs, seven chairs, 10 chairs. Now in a business district, parking doesn't matter because there's street parking with meters. In a strip mall, it doesn't matter because there's a huge parking lot with a bunch of parking spaces. Business hours don't matter, nor does parking because there's enough parking to accommodate the business. But when you're in an R2 district, there are people that live there and then there's business hours. So in order for me to get an occupancy permit And in order for me to get my business approved to open, I one had to have established how many chairs I wanted in that location. Now I wanted six, right? But what that said was that for every person working, I needed three parking spaces. First off, it was a residential area, people lived there. There was not a bunch of parking spaces. And I had to file what is called a special exception because I wanted more chairs than what the business would allow or be grandfathered in based on the city code. One of the other codes was, we had to be closed by 7 p.m. That was the code enforced rule in that area. Now, if I was in a strip mall, I could stay open till 11 o'clock. If I was in a business district, I could stay open as long as I needed to in the business district. But in the R2 district, it was recommended, based on the code rule that was enforced, was that we close at seven o'clock. Now, if you're a barber and you've been cutting for a while, you know that some people are working till 3.30 to pick up their kids, they take them to football camp and soccer, or whatever the case may be, they drop their kids off. Some people are coming to the, some people are working, and They once they're done with all stuff, they come to the shop, 5.30, 6, seven o'clock. If you're a walk-in space, they might be sitting for a while. If you're an appointment-based spot, they might book an appointment and come in and get a haircut. But a lot of times, sometimes business happens later than 7 o'clock. In order to stay open, I had to apply. This is before I opened. I had to apply with the zoning board and the zoning officer to get approved to be open after 7 o'clock. I also, if I wanted to be open on a Sunday, had to get approval from the board of code enforcement to be open on a Sunday. These were things that I had to get approval first. I had to get approval for the size of my signage. I had to get approval for the barber pole outside. I put a soda machine outside thinking I was gonna make a little bit of money because I had plenty of, of sidewalk space. The code enforcement came by and told me to get the soda machine off the sidewalk. I was trying to ask for forgiveness instead of permission in that case, but it doesn't always work out. And so, it's important, when he mentions that they're trying to change this rule in Newark of barbers shutting down at 6.30, I don't know why. Maybe there is a code in that area. Maybe there has been too much activity late night when people are trying to rest and sleep and wind down for the day, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that when you go to open up a business, it's important that you do your research first. You have to do your due diligence before we opened Premier Barber Institute, there was a bunch of research I did before we acquired this location. And a lot of that had to do with the experience I had as as a shop owner 20 years ago because I ran through some speed bumps and some roadblocks to slow down the process. And I will tell you, when I opened up my second location, it was much easier. When we opened up the school, it was easy to get through those code uh, inspections. It was easy to sit in front of the board and present my claim. And one time, in fact, I sat before the board and it took me 30 seconds to plead my case. Literally, I had documentation, I gave it to them, and I said something less than a minute, it was about 30 seconds. They looked at the information, they reviewed it and approved it right on the spot. Because I sat with the code enforcement uh, officer prior to going to the zoning hearing, I got all the information I needed and I adapted and I created a narrative that painted the picture to follow what the zoning officer was requiring of me. I filed the proper applications in order to get that approval rating at a higher percentage. I presented the information and I got approved. When I left the meeting, I, I was there probably five minutes. They deliberated for a few minutes. Five minutes, I got a stamp of approval. Congratulations, Tyree, good luck with your business. I was walking out and a guy came out and he stopped me. He says, I seen you come in here twice. You came in to get your spot open and you came in for signage and each time you were here less than 10 minutes. He said, what are you doing? And I said, why do you ask? He said, i got this building and I'm trying to put a coffee shop in it and I've been down here five months in a row. They only have one meeting uh, first Tuesday of every month. So the last five months, he'd been down there trying to get this place approved. At one point it was parking, another point it was signers, a bunch of stuff. And he said, I bought this building and it's been a hole in my pocket because every month I'm down here trying to get it approved. Every month they're turning me down. And I simply told him the reason why I get a higher approval rating is because I do my due diligence and I sit with the zoning officer and find out all the information I need. I explain to him what I want to do. He gives me feedback and then I adjust accordingly. That's research. You can't get that in your textbook. That comes from experienced practitioners. That comes from a coach. That comes from mentorship. That comes from somebody who's experienced it. I went down, I got my approval, and I got through the process. We are open after six, for sure. We're open after 7.30. In fact, at our shop, if you schedule an appointment after seven o'clock, the price increases. If you come before shop hours, the price is more. That's the way we do it. You don't believe me, check the schedule. Download Sharp Image Barbershop app and check. Every barber has before hour pricing and after hour pricing. Availability is limited. But we have the approval to do so because I did my due diligence. So many of those guys in Jersey, you have to do your research, find out why, and then have an argument as to why you need to be a little bit open. Don't just go there and fight with emotion. You can't fight the board with emotion. You have to fight the board with tact. You have to have a plan put together. You have to execute that plan. You have to sit before the board and plead your case. But you can't do it with emotion. Nobody cares about how you feel. They don't. They simply don't care about how you feel. Oh, I'm sorry, you spent $50,000 on this, this space. Um, unfortunately, we can't approve it. You didn't do your due diligence. There are many people that go into business and because they didn't do their due diligence, they fail and they lose money, lots of money. Those are expensive, expensive, expensive decisions. It's important to find a coach, to find a mentor who can help you because you're not self-made. You need guidance. You need somebody who has been through the process that can help you through that process and help you to make good decisions so they don't cost you. A guy hit me up on Instagram and he said, "Tyree, I want to refinance my house to open up my first barbershop. Do you think that's a good idea? I got plenty of equity in my house. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Could be, might not be. If you don't have established clientele, might not be a good decision. You might lose your business and your house. If you don't have a proper plan in place I'm not going to say, oh yes, a great idea. Go ahead and refinance your house. Take out a business loan from yourself. You know, you're the bank. I could say all that stuff because it sounds good and a lot of it will sound right, but it might not be the best decision for you. I need more context. I need more dialogue. Well, did you plan this out? What do you have in place? What does it look like? What are the expenses going to be? What is the budget? All of these things are important. I don't want to give you a decision because I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about because I ask you questions and then we come up with a plan. That's what coaching and mentoring is. It's not getting some influencers opinion on what you should do with your house and your mortgage. I don't live where you live. I don't know what you own. I don't know what your finances look like. I don't know what you have as a security you know, in the event of, I have no idea what that is. I got students all the time that come to me and say, Tariq, here's the plan. In fact, I know when you first started, we sat down a tw- dozen times easily. Tariq, here's my plan. This is what I'm thinking about doing. In fact, I said, you need to have a contingency on this lease. Do you remember that? You wanna come up here real quick, Dave? I know this wasn't part of your thing, I'm sorry. Listen, David came to me And he said, my wife has been a stylist for years. I'm coming to the barber school because I want to do this, but I want to be more on the business side, but I do want to cut some hair. And I said, he said, they're closing the one spot that they've been there for a long time. They're going to open up a new location. And I said, you need to have a contingency in place on that lease. Lock it in, but have a contingency. And contingency is simply this. I'll take this as long as this passes. State, city, code. All these things, if I can get these passed, we'll take the lease. Have the contingency in place so you can lock it in and nobody can acquire that space. Now you're securing the space, right? But you need a contingency that if there's, you need a, 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 it's like a safety blanket. If something doesn't work out, you don't want to spend all your money and renovate this space and put chairs and all this stuff, and then the city says, nope, can't do it. And he put a contingency in place. Do you want to share real quick what happened?
1: Yeah, come on in, they gotta look at you, man. So, I met with the landlord. Slide on, man, they can't see you. I met met with the landlord and uh, we told him that we needed to run electric and water throughout the building. Got the plumber in, the plumber told us what we needed to do. Um, We went back to the landlord, the landlord said, I don't wanna run plumbing through my building, I'm afraid of a flood. So thank goodness for that contingency I walked away from it. I didn't lose any money. I didn't. I just walked away from it. I, they wouldn't let us run water, so we needed our water for our sinks. They wouldn't let us do it. So fantastic! I know that. You. I know. I know. Thanks I got you, you off guard.
0: Thank you. So, so part of that conversation was simply I didn't want my student to invest his money in a beautiful location that works great for the business model but not be able to open and lose the money and have to pay for the lease for the next three to five years. How long was the lease? 5 years. Five-year lease. If he didn't have a contingency in place, if it ain't in ink, it stink. And he wrote his name on that lease. We're gonna acquire the space for the next five years. If he didn't have a contingency in place, he would have been responsible for the next five years unless the landlord said, "Uh, I'm gonna let you slide. And it doesn't usually happen that way. Because you sign a lease, you're now obligated to pay that. That contingency saved him some finances and a lot of headache because he needed the plumbing because the state requirement is how many shampoo bowls per chair. In Pennsylvania, it's two for every working station, cutting station. So legally, by the state standards, he needs one shampoo for every two chairs. That is a state law. The guy said, I don't want extra plumbing in here. You're gonna to gotta to use what you what you need. He said, I can't take it. He was able to walk away from the lease without having to pay. But that was through mentorship. That was some experience talking. He was able to walk away. I had another student, and I'll, and I'll end with this. I had another student who opened up a shop and the shop was doing very well, right? And the dad took a sign and put it out in the lawn. He put the sign out on the lawn and I told him to have a contingency in place. He wrote a contingency. State and city approval was the contingency. We need state approval, we need city approval or the borough's approval. He put that sign outside and the code enforcement drove by and said, oh, there's a shop back here. He went to the back and noticed that the shop didn't have a handicap accessible ramp and said, you have to close down. Shop was open for two months, it was already moving. Two months, the shop was already operated. They shut him down. Not the state board, state board approved it. The city came in after the fact and shut it down. So he had to go to the landlord and said, you gotta put a ramp. Landlord said, no, you put a ramp. He pulled out his lease and said, I have a contingency that says city and state approval. The city or the borough just canceled our approval because you're required to put a ramp in this location, not me. Had to shut his business down. It took two months. They put a ramp up and he was able to reopen his business. But it affected him of making money for two months. What it didn't affect is him spending money for two months because he had a contingency in place. Guys, you have to be aware of the laws and the rules that are in place. I appreciate you guys for joining. Thank you for joining another Tyreek Talk Tuesday. Remember, I live by the model. Serve your needs by serving the needs of others. I hope that I served your needs today. Thank you so much and we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you.